we'd like to thank you, our valued listeners, for your interest and support over the past 18-odd months. What was initially FX Radio has grown exponentially to include not just our podcasts in FX Medicine Podcast Central on iTunes, but we'd like to also introduce the recently launched FX Medicine website. This is our reservoir of resources, research and educational content for complementary medicine. Come and be a part of the community at fxmedicine.com.au. Medicine, and I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. And today with me on the line is Dr. Stephen Lin, a dentist who trained at Sydney University in a background of biomedical science. Now, Stephen works with a focus on the systemic effects of oral disease. A TEDx speaker and passionate health communicator, he is working to merge the dental and nutritional fields with the publication The Dental Diet, an exploration of evolutionary diet, genetics, and nutritional medicine. Based on the pioneering work of Dr. Weston A. Price, Dr. Lin explores the link between modern industrialized food, dental disease, and every other degenerational health problem known to mankind. Now you can follow Stephen on drstephenlin.com or Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And I'd love to welcome you today to FX Medicine, Stephen. Welcome. Thanks, Andrew. It's a pleasure to be here. That's a great TEDx talk you did. I love the um, the opening statement. How would you like a, something that would change your stance, change your confidence, and it's just a smile? Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, the TEDx was great fun, um, but the real um, problem point that I I came to when preparing that was, you know, how do how do you make people interested in teeth? Because I mean, you know, as a dentist, that's something that we kind of fight with every day, you know, people trying to avoid um, looking after their oral health and, you know, perhaps misunderstanding how important it is. So, mm. yeah, trying, trying to find different angles on that was definitely a challenge um, doing the TEDx talk. It, absolutely. And I love that um, my dentist says um, you, you don't have to floss your teeth, only the ones that you wish to keep. <laughs> exactly. You know, there's, there's lots of little quirky um, things that, that we dentists have to unfortunately come up with to... Um, <laughs> to get people to floss, you know, he's a hard one. And, and, <laughs> but, you know, he, he's got a good point there. And yet, you know, it's such a, I mean, it really is such an important aspect of confidence, of how we interact with people. You know, we're looking at people's faces all day, and yet we refuse to take care of this this most important thing for our health, but also our interpersonal communication. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting one. I mean, because, you know, if you think about, you know, the human face and how, you know, we've evolved with the importance of, um, you know, identifying other people through their face and through their voice, you know, the mouth is such um, an important aspect of that. And, yeah, we don't connect that, you know, to, um, to our dental health and how our dental health influences this really crucial part of our um, of our being. And, um, I mean, I think it's somewhat societal, something that's... Um, Something that we've come across in in um, you know the, the dental industry isn't very old, um, you know. So it's only been you know you know a hundred or so years that we've been 
dealing with this very delicate part of the body, and mm. I think we've built up a bit of a stigma. So, yeah, it's definitely something that, um, you know, people avoid the dentist and, you know, that perhaps reverberates through society in a way that we, you know, try and avoid oral health in, in some way or, or another. Now, we're going to be talking about the way that food impacts our dental health and indeed the microbes that inhabit our mouth and and even our gut. But I, I love the term industrialised food. I mean, that really smacks of what we eat day in, day out, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's it's easy to to kind of forget that kind that that term because it's just everywhere now. I mean, if, if you if you break down, you know what the the regular Western diet is now. It it really is coming out of a factory, and mm. you know it, it it's it sounds kind of you know a little bit um you know sometimes a little bit tin hat, but you know if you think about the way you know what we're eating, um you know m- most of the time it is you know industrialized processed food, and and you know these are a lot, where a lot of the problems you know, in our health are coming from. Mm. I mean, my perfect example of this is if you look at, um, you know, sourdough bread versus that lovely fluffy white cloud that we call bread, that 100 years ago, they wouldn't have even known what that is, (laughs) you know? Yeah, exactly. That's a great example. And it's one that we we do misinterpret a little bit because, you know, we're, we're so, you know, we're starting to get the message across about sugars, but I mean... And you know how refined sugars are, uh, you know, do do so many um, bad things in the body. But flour is is exactly the same. You know, it's a simple carbohydrate that, um, that you know, in in any our white breads, um, nearly all the white breads that we, and um, and, and other kind of um, bakery bakery products that we eat. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it's definitely a something that we. we a bit of a misconception out there. We could get onto a whole podcast about uh, grains and and grasses and and how we react to them. But if we just talk about basic foodstuffs, how we've over over convenienced them, if you like, you know, like um, it was one evolutionary step to say, well, let's cook it. Um, to increase the availability of things like proteins and certain nutrients. It's another thing to mash it into a, a fine powder so that we have this massive insulin spike, though. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I think that comes to a good point that you, you can nearly track, you know, a lot of the problems that we start to um, that, that we start to get with food to when we commercialise and industrialise it. So when money became um, a factor and when we started to mass produce things, when it stopped being a local... You know, locally farmed, locally um, produced product from from um, you know from plants and, and and the environment around us mm-hmm. to something that is mass produced and um, transported in you know um, over long over long distances, and this is how we really started to change the food and you know for much the worse. Absolutely, indeed. Even you know, getting away from starchy foods. What about even our meat? You know, our meat used to be those animal let's let's say it was a red meat from a cow um that meat which was uh, provided by uh, a ruminant which um uh which ate grass and now of course that ruminant eats corn and 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 um grains so exactly yeah the, uh, you can nearly go through every um you know every food stuff that, that we eat and find problems with with the way we deal with them. i mean beef is a great example um grain Grain-fed beef and and how how it changes the um, the composition of the animal, where you know beef 
uh, a grass-fed um, cow is, is has much more um, uh, an omega fat um, makeup like a salmon, where mm. there's there's a much more ratio of three to six, whereas a grain-fed cow um, has a much higher ratio of six rather than three, which is which we know causes a lot of inflammation and problems in the body. And this, to me, is one of the the big areas of issues where. Y- you know, we now look at and we, we label a food. So let's say we're talking about red meat causes dot, dot, dot. Well, that wasn't the original red meat. <laughs> so it's now yeah, that changed big, entity. So Exactly. And it's such a big problem um, in, ter- I mean, in terms of how we look at our nutritional studies, um, how we break things. Down. You know, we're very reductionist hmm. in, in the way we look at, you know, how diseases are caused by a and. This just isn't, you know. There's so many factors that um, that come into, you know, how how um, how an animal is raised and what it takes in from its environment that influences how our body reacts to it. And we we just don't take that into into account at all. Yeah. So Stephen, let's talk generally about how diet and that industrialized food has impacted on our dental health. What specific issues do you see? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the the, the biggest, most con- um, concerning markers that we can um, we can that we can kind of read from how food has affected our mouth is is reading um, what we can record out of how our bacteria have changed. Mm. Um, now, research is showing us that, that the bacteria that used to live in our mouth used to be much more diverse than what the, um, than what it is today. So we've lost um, you know, the, the different kinds of species that lived in, in in a kind of ecosystem in our mouth, and and you can almost track you can track that to two points: one with the agricultural agricultural evolution, um, and also the industrial revolution, where we, we started to change, where we started to farm, and where we started to refine our foods. This is this is how we started to change the bacteria in our mouth, and we know that. Um, the dental disease popped up at the same time, and, and you can nearly track it identically to to when we lost diversity of the microbial environment in our mouth. And indeed, there's some very interesting research done by um, Jeff Leach of the Human Food Project, um, showing exactly that and and what's happening with the diversity of our human microbiome. But what's interesting to me is how you um, talk about these um, convenience. Um, or the increase in convenience leads to the decrease of the diversity of the human microbiome. Yeah, definitely. You, you know, you can nearly, like you say, you, you can see how we're decreasing, um, the, decreasing the amount of species that live in in, in our environment across all um, across all side, um, parts of our environment. So the. You know, if you look at the range of um, and the species of fruit wheat, um, I think it, it's come down to a very small percentage of what um, what our ancestors used to eat. And what this is doing is it, it's decreasing the, the the diversity of bugs that live inside of us. So we need to remember that this environment also um, exists in in within our mouth, in in with our within our body, and what we what we eat. Um, when it comes from an environment like this, it actually affects that in exactly the same way. It's it's fascinating, yeah. And and this is you know where we're seeing all the, the different health problems associated with the microbiome and and its loss of its its natural environment. 
yeah. our environmental state. And and so does that lack of diversity and the and the lack of the sort of natural variation that we have in the oral and indeed the gut microbiota. Uh, let's concentrating on the oral microbiota. Does that mm-hmm. lead to a situation where you might be at increased risk of, say, infection with strep throat or, or other pathogens? I mean, generally, I mean, if you use tutsukase as an example, I mean, we know, um, you know, our first kind of um, impression of, of, of tutsukase was it was it's an infection, and we still call it an infectious disease. Of, um, of strep mutants, but we know as time moved along, we started to see. Oh, hang on, there's other species involved here. But what what we're actually finding out now is that the, the, it's more caused by a tip in the the whole population. Because you're talking about hundreds and hundreds of different species living in an environment. When when you when we feed the population the wrong food, then then these Faster digesting microbes like strep mutants proliferate; they overgrow, and and the the slower digesting ones that are that are more designed to to break down these natural foods foods like cellulose and and, and fibrous structures um, of, of plants and vegetables they're outnumbered, and this is when the disease the disease state comes in. This is where tooth decay. What happens is that they they metabolize faster; they release acid. Mm. And and they break down the, the the tooth structure, causing tooth decay, and, and so it all stems from from this overgrowth from what we eat. So it's not it's not the sugar per se causing the dental decay. It's the sugar feeding a bad bad organism, which releases acid very quickly, but also the prevention of the slower digestive organisms. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. So. We know. I mean, if, if you think about it, using sugar as an example, so in in, in um, the environment, sugar is encased in in, a, in cellulose structure in vegetables and, fr- and most fruits. So what happens is that when we digest, is that our our microbial environment is designed that to have all these different bugs um, start to digest the food. The, the slower digesting break down the cellulose because we don't. We, as humans, we can't digest. Fiber ourselves. It's we need to eat fiber to to feed our microbes. Mm. And so what they so the the slower digesting um, bugs break down this cellular structure, and then they release the, the the simpler sugars, which humans create energy from, and also these faster metabolizing bugs um, come in, and 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 then and, and then they take their part of the part of the um, the pie, as it were. But yeah, so when we release a simple sugar into that into that same environment, which if you think about, um, you know, ancestrally in the environment, it's very difficult to find a simple sugar. You know, besides a, a you know, perhaps a honey, um, a, a beehive, or 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 some kind of quite juicy fruit, mm. it, it just doesn't happen. So that's so when we're exposing our 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 mouths to to, to these simple sugar onslaughts, what it does is it changes the the population, and then we have this what they call it is the metabolome. So the, the overall metabolism of the of, of the microbial microbial environment shifts. Mm. That's when we get this acid production. We get a lower in the pH, and then tooth structure starts to degrade. And and tooth decay doesn't occur in any any significant um, any. Significant number in in the wild. You don't see animals with with 
this tooth again because they simply don't have access to these kind of foods. And and it's the same as our ancestors. Well, traditional societies, um, all through evolution, you know, we had straight, healthy teeth without the the presence of tooth decay. And you can see that there's a, there's a microbial um, answer as to as to why this 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 occurred. So I remember years ago, um, one researcher, forgive me, it might have, was it Western A. Price, I don't know, who looked at, um, was it Papua New Guinean um, natives and their their jaws were larger, they didn't have the issues of impacted teeth, of wisdom teeth. And is, is that Western A. Price? Western A. Price looked at many, many different um, societies. He, I, I, I don't think he looked at Papua New Guinea, but there has been studies on Papua New Guinea, mm. but across the board, this is what this is what all researchers, you know, there's Corricini did a lot of studies on Australian Aborigines as well. Mm. Um, that that yeah, what what happens is we get it, when um, humans eat uh, a natural um, locally sourced diet with, with the full spectrum of, of, of nutrients, then their jaws develop in a way that their wisdom teeth aren't impacted. Their, their teeth are straight and they don't get tooth decay. Uh, it, Western Price himself, um, you know, in most of the populations, found that, that tooth decay occurred in you know one to two percent of of the population, mm-hmm. as compared to what we see today, up to, you know thirty up to forty to fifty percent. Wow. Of, of, of people experiencing tooth decay, and that's only it's only very recently in, in in our evolutionary history since the Industrial Revolution. Uh, when you put it into that kind of perspective, which is something we don't really, you know, we kind of just see tooth decay as this, you know, that, that's, it, it's inevitable, isn't it? We get a hole in a tooth, we, we go to the dentist, we get it fixed up, move along. No, uh, you know, that's the end of the story. But we're forgetting that all these um, biological processes are, are completely unbalanced and they are affecting the rest of our body. And I might point out to our listeners that, um, you know, the convenient industrial revolution um, has led to the convenient medicine, which seeks to basically do a patch-up job of something that we could have prevented the damage to all along. Yeah, that's a great point, um, Andrew. And I think dentistry is a great example of that. Um, we've seen such advances in, in the dental industry in the last hundred years, where technology, we can nearly do it. You know, we can throw an implant in. We can we can restore any nearly any kind of problem in the, in the mouth, but we we've forgotten that you know that why to to ask the questions of why these diseases are happening at all and, and what's it doing to the rest of our body um, and, and and the same goes for um, for for all other kinds of, of, of conventional medicine where we we look for our silver bullet a, a medication or a, a treatment that that knocks something out and and really doesn't get to the source of, of what the problem is. Stephen, you wrote a really interesting article, the, the oral microbiome connecting the mouth-gut axis. Let's talk about that because I, it's, um, I like the, the sentence that you had in there that the, what is it, the, the mouth is the tip of the iceberg to the rest of the gut. So how can choosing different foods and indeed chewing them more properly and adding, you know, making sure that you're salivating enough, how can doing that affect the gut microbiota? Yes, I mean, we've heard so much conversation about the microbiome over the last few years and how gut microbes impact our health and our body, but there's been much less conversation of, of the 
the communication between the mouth and the gut. Mm. And it seems very obvious now that we're talking about it, but we, we don't, we haven't heavily related the mouth and the, and the teeth and dental disease to, you know, potentially tipping all of these. And we can, you know, we can directly draw correlations right from the, right from where we're holding a piece of bread, chewing on it, and swallowing it. You know how it's changing our entire body. So I, I think it's a really um, exciting area where we can draw um, and and see how how food and, and our health is 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 all um, interrelated to, to to nutrition, but also our, our dental health. Yeah. The the simple yeah, one the the simple example I'm thinking of is if you bolt your food if you you know stuff the food into your face and and don't chew it properly and don't chew it till it's a paste then you've got larger less surface area chunks of food down there for the digestive processes to act on which can then um, be fermented by various bacteria unfortunately many of those are putrefactive bacteria down in in the small intestine and even into the colon. So, how does then that affect things like dysbiosis and small intestinal bowel overgrowth and and therefore diseases like irritable bowel syndrome? Yeah, I, I think the, the physical factor that you're talking about is def, is something that we suffer from, and the the reason being is that most of our foods now are, are half digested themselves. You know, they're processed, they're soft. Yeah. Um, we, we are designed, like we talked about before, with you know, to to start digestion in the mouth, and um, Ayurvedic medicine actually has there's a concept where you, you they they tell you to chew for every one every one of your teeth. So you know you you um you break down the 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 food in your mouth you know 15 to 16 times so that the the digestive process has this um, opportunity to um to, to start. But uh, I think if you think about a natural, natural foods, and you know, we did introduce cooking quite early in in human evolution. But foods were much tougher and required much more chewing than than what they do today. So, uh-huh, it, it, yes. almost, almost by um, by default, you know, we we would have had to chew more, which is much more what we're designed to do. So, certainly, I mean, I, there's definitely a, a physical factor where we're not chewing enough, and and how this affects. Digestion, and we can see it, it, it actually affects our jaws, and, and mm-hmm. is a big factor into why we see um, crooked teeth and and and, and wisdom teeth problems now because our, our jaws aren't developing because of this physical chewing, but also the the, the, the digestive factor where how what I see is where we're putting softer foods that don't require much as much um, chewing, yeah. but are also changing the, the bacterial. Uh, shift that like we talked about before that that's the big you know that's what's what's really causing out the imbalances in our digestive system and what about going a step further than that about you know gut dysbiosis affecting systemic disease with inflammatory um, cytokines being released and things like that well exactly and that that's such the uh, the, the exciting area of, of, of what we've discovered over the last few years you know um, how you know the, the interface of, of gut um, micro Microbes and how they you know, they manage the gut lining, and and on the other side we have eighty percent of our of our immune system. So, you know, our entire interface to the world exists in the gut, and mm. and yeah, we're talking about the gut brain axis and and how it it um, influences autoimmune disease, which we're seeing such rises in. 
um, digestive problems, um, metabolic problems. These, these are all coming back to the the microbes and how we can um, and how loss of diversity or dysbiosis can trigger all these problems across across this one lining that that really is our like I said the um, our our barrier with the world. But what we're really discovering now is that how how our, our oral microbiome influences our, our gut microbiome. And this is something that we haven't really discussed a lot in, in how our food and how the, the bacteria in our mouth influence our stomach. And we know this happens. So what we can do here is start drawing the correlation right from the food we eat through to the oral microbiome, to the gut microbiome, to, through the entire body. So this to me seems like uh, you know our our use of probiotics is again in itself a reductionist um, aspect of really what we should be concentrating on, and that is how we feed these bugs: a vegetarian-based diet, chewing properly in a stressless environment to aid proper digestion. Is that where you're heading with this? Yeah, the, I mean the use of probiotics. I mean a lot of the research shows that you know if you take a probiotic. The, the the impact on the stomach is very on, on the stomach populations is very small. Mm. So if you think that you know you can change the populations of of trillions of bacteria with with, with one tablet, mm, I think right. it, it's quite naive. And and it it goes back to the same problems that we you know that we were talking about in terms of um, treatment based uh, med- medicine and and yep. health. Yeah. The idea is that we need to create the base of the pyramid, the the diversity through through eating a you know, like you, like you say a, a plant based but also um, organically raised uh, and sourced food that promotes this this, this environment of, of overall diversity. Now, there's not one bug that's going to save um, you know, and change the entire environment. You, you need to. To feed the environment exactly what it what it's evolved to um, to to be itself. So tell me now, then you know you, you've got a whole host of patients that are eating this Western industrialized diet, and they're coming into you with the ex- pre-existing issues of dentition. What message do you send to them? What what do you what do you intervene with? How do you base your treatment to change what's happened? Yeah, look, I mean with. With dental disease, there is a you know, you know I mean we're lucky we, we do have the, the tools now to reverse a lot of it and to um, to reconstruct a lot of the, the problems that um, you know the, the dental disease will cause. Unfortunately, through development, um, there's there's some things that we you know that we can't that we can't reverse exactly. But the, these aspects of our health continue all through our life. So I mean, and one big um, one big factor that, that Price uh, focused on was the consumption of and the importance of fat-soluble vitamins in, in, the, in the human diet. So with dental health in particular, the fat-soluble vitamins um, regulate how we, how we absorb calcium out of the bloodstream. So w- without enough vitamin D and K2, we don't um, absorb the calcium from, from our bloodstream. Our, our teeth don't um, re- receive enough calcium at, and this is what we're what we what we see as being uh, the the core um, cause of, of tooth decay. Um, in, in that our, in that the, the tooth structure is lacking yep. um, the, the requisite calcium. Yep. 
So not just damage from the outside with a poor diet, but damage from the inside from a poor diet. Exactly, exactly. So that's and 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 these these processes affect our teeth, but obviously there's there's many other processes that these these vitamins are designed to do and and degenerative diseases. That price saw, um, you know, happened because of the deficiency in these vitamins, and you know how we can use tooth decay and, and gum disease as signals for other many other problems happening in the body. And, and that's why you know, we, we need to get these, this full spectrum of nutrients. Indeed, I would um, urge our listeners to follow you on, uh, on Twitter where you share some great pictures of, of beautiful uh, dietary intake of natural nutrients in their, in their nice raw form. There's a couple of beautiful pictures there that made me salivate the other day. It was lovely. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 a bit of a challenge, I think, um, that we all face today. I mean, especially maybe as, as a male as well. You know, get, getting our, our our heads around how to properly prepare food, and it's something that you know traditional societies you know nearly focused all their efforts on. You know, there, there was such um, such focus and such uh, it's a I mean, celebration, wasn't itself. it? Yeah, exactly, celebration around around food, and, and we we've really lost that in terms of yeah. you know going back to how we how the industrialized um, processing of food and and it, it's it's something that I think we really need to relearn and 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 start to um, to talk about again. Yeah. Okay. So again, getting back to your patients that you see in your practice, what practical steps do you institute? What can you? What practical steps can you give our listeners to say, let's start now? From now, what do you do? Yeah. So it, it, it's a big list. The um, I mean, the problems are is that you know it, it comes down to the very much the individual. There are a lot of issues in um, in modern society that we need to avoid. Uh, in in to and a lot and a lot of them are the reason why we have imbalances in the first place. So you know, sugar is obviously a big a big factor, but with that is refined carbohydrates. So we need to start seeing where where um, our intake of these um, simple carbohydrates are coming from, and we need to cut them out. Yeah. From from there, we you know talking about grains, we, we often have an imbalance of omega three to omega six. So it's getting that that natural balance right from from three to sixes. So the, the intake of you know your oily fishes, your um, flax seeds, um, black chia, all, all these foods that are rich and and and, and getting your, your balance right um, to to prevent the inflammation that that um, the omega imbalances cause. Yeah. Um, and and then from there, you know. It really will depend on the person's diet themselves. So dairy is a big problem in today in terms of getting good quality dairy, and you know, with uh, with, with pasteurization problems and, and grain-fed um, cattle, like we talked about, there's really an art around finding um, good good quality uh, dairy if, if, if yep. that's a big factor in the diet. And you know, grass-fed butter, I think, is one of the most nutritious. Um, foods that we can eat, and it's something that I highly recommend. You know, with now, with, um, now that's something I've never even thought of. Where do you get grass-fed grass-fed butter from? There's there's a few there, there's a few good brands. There's not many. It, it's quite difficult, and I think that's something that we need to oh, you know, really. Um, you know, there's some uh, the, the brand escapes my um, my memory, but there's uh, there's cultured butters that are. Um, that are locally grown, that are, that are great and delicious. Um, I personally, I, I, mixing that with with a with a 
tablespoon of um, of, of high vitamin cod liver oil is an excellent um, source of, of fat soluble vitamins for, yeah. for those with that are, um, have high risk of tooth decay. Yeah, uh, that's something I do myself. Um, yeah, and then from there, you know, you, you are just looking at the quality of your food. So I mean, it is a matter of breaking down your diet, and it does take quite a lot of um, a bit of dedication and and um, willingness to kind of educate educate ourselves about food food preparation, oils, um, you know, cutting vegetable oils out out of the that goes back to the the um, omega balance. Uh, but it, there's always these these foods that can cause problems. Um, that, that we need to that we need to source better and and prepare better. Absolutely, I would urge all of our listeners tomorrow, indeed today, to go out and source a normal eye fillet steak that anybody would buy at the local supermarket, and then source a grass fed eye fillet and cook them at exactly the same time on the barbecue. Don't overcook it, but cook them at exactly the same time on the barbecue and just taste the difference. The obvious ones mm. are things like, you know, vine-ripened tomatoes and um, mm-hmm. f- fresh farm-raised eggs. Um, mm-hmm. They're so obviously, example, yeah. Yeah, obviously different. And you just you, yeah. very hard to go back to a tasteless tomato. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And eggs is, is an excellent example if you compare, if, if, if you go and get a, a cage, um, a, a cage-raised uh, chicken compared to an, an organically um, free-range chicken. The, the colour of the yolk is is quite remarkable, and that that, that bright yellow that you get in, in you, you can see that it's a completely different food. And the the, the cage-raised one is not food at all, and no. that's what we need to start to see. Right down to even cracking the egg onto, uh, even opening the egg. You know, cracking the eggshell. Exactly. Shell. They're yeah. so flimsy these days. It's a, just, it's a real yeah, worry. The, the to me. shells are very much different. Yeah, exactly. And you, the composition is completely different. You can see, and um, you know, all these problems exist across all of our food stuff. And it's quite difficult. I, I actually um, performed this exercise for my parents about. It was probably about twelve months ago now, and you know, it, it was basically going through the cupboard and throwing everything out, and then. Repeatedly talking about, um, you know, why why they can't eat this and why they can't eat that, and then, and, and the oils to cook with, and it's 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 really a re-education problem, um, program, and and we really need to be talking about it in society at, at a larger scale. Well, I think the first step would be to get your book. <laughs> That's what I, I mean. I hope to be able to put all of this in a in a manner where we. Where it's quite understandable, where we see dental disease. I mean, I think it's amazing that we've we haven't crossed uh, the dental field and, and the nutrition fields previously. I mean, it 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 seems so intuitive to me, and it it just hasn't happened in at all. And you know, there's a real opportunity there to to understand our food and our health all from a, a much more um, holistic uh, perspective. Mm. Stephen, there is one thing I must ask you because you are a dentist and you must come across this issue time and time again, and that's the the polarised view of fluoride. Tell me about your stance on fluoride. Yeah, so, I mean, look, you're absolutely right in saying fluoride. We've been arguing about it since the 60s. Um, it, it's definitely a... T- it, 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 it's tiring. I find... I, I think that we are... 
focusing on the wrong issue with, with fluoride. We, fluoride is something that we've introduced to 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 react to the to the um, presence of dental disease. That it doesn't cause dental disease. It doesn't cure dental disease. So fluoride must be seen in as a as a tool used by the dental industry and and obviously in society now in Australia we have water fluoridation um, to as a reactionary measure to to dental disease, but it doesn't get to the to the source of the problem. And mm. whilst we can argue about the, the pros and cons of fluoride all day, you know the, the real issues lie at you know within you know adding sugar to to nearly all of our foodstuffs and yeah. you know the, the quality food that we're talking about. And so there's much more effective conversations that we can be having about our health than ra- rather than arguing about fluoride. I wholeheartedly agree. I think it's a, a probably a case of uh, shutting the gate after the horse has bolted. Exactly. I completely agree, Andrew. And we should always be asking questions about um, you know about these issues. And, and both sides of, of the equation um, care wholeheartedly about our health. However, I feel that we need to come together and, 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 and have a conversation about food before we, you know, rather than worrying about, sorry, um, the fluoride issue. Yeah, yeah. So, again, I wholeheartedly urge our listeners to investigate your publication, The Dental Diet. And also, I understand there's a download that people can get on your website, Dr. Stephen Lin, L I N Finelli.com. Is that right? Yeah, so I've. I've Put together, there is a few ebooks um, about traditional societies. One based on Dan Butte's The Blue Zones, about these amazing places around the world where people live, uh, where they have the most concentration of centurions, and also uh, the societies that Western Price visited, and, and a little bit about their their, their, their food habits and and amazing cultures they had around their nutrition and and what they ate, which I think we, there's so much value there to be brought into into modern our, our lifestyle today dr Stephen lynn thank you so much for joining us today and taking us through that i mean anything to do with the microbiome is interesting and just i think exploring how we've got to really start at the beginning we can't just be giving these little piecemeal after the fact um treatments and expecting a whole world of, of bacterial populations in our gut to change so thanks for taking us through how we can practically affect our health with that Oh, my pleasure, Andrew. Thanks, thanks for having me. This is FX Medicine. I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today on FX Medicine, please engage with us and let us know what further topics you'd like us to cover. You can get in contact with us through our website, fxmedicine.com.au, or look for FX Medicine in your favourite social media platform. You can also rate and review us on iTunes and we'd really like to thank those who have already rated us. It's through your continued support that enables us to bring you current, complex and relevant topics to enhance your practice of natural medicine.